Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Everyone, welcome back to part two of the Stompcast. We're in Holland Park. Kag and I have had a nice stomp so far. We've got a lovely little route that we've developed here. We've wandered <laughs> we through the Japanese uh, part of the, the part where they've got the ponds and the, and the fish, and then we wander into the forestry area. It's nice to have it. We're, we're creating routine. <laughs> we we've created a routine. a routine. That's what we're all about here on the Stompcast, <laughs> indeed. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me. Um, tell me about your new book. It is, it's interestingly titled, and I just wonder... Why did you write it and what are you trying to achieve from, from this book? Mm-hmm. Well, the book is called Saturn Returns, mm. which is after the same name as my podcast. And mm. your Saturn return, for those that don't know, is something that happens in your late 20s. Mm. It's a, a term in astrology that references the fact that Saturn returns to the same place in the sky it was when you were born. And with that, it brings this cosmic coming of age, this initiation into adulthood, as we kind of hope to mm. progress into the next side. And I think a lot of people, regardless of their belief in astrology, yeah. can recognise that once you kind of hit 30, you do have this sense of relief. It's like, OK, I know who I am a little bit more. I've made it through. And I just became really fascinated by that particular transition mm. and everything that falls under that umbrella, which mm. there's plenty of things, because when we are in our late 20s, there's so much that we have to navigate. And the themes of the book are really about the things that I experienced during that time. So it's quite unusual in the sense that it has Nora, who's the astrologer for Saturn Returns, doing those kind of deep dive bits. Then it has a lot of my own personal story, the things that I struggled with, the experiences that I had throughout my 20s. And yeah, really acts as a tool book for those going through that transition mainly obviously that their Saturn return, but the themes are applicable to anyone going through any kind of difficult change or transition and struggling to kind of navigate those mm. waters. Mm. Am I right in saying that you studied psychology at university, is that right? What did you do at university? No, I actually, I mean, I did philosophy, philosophy. briefly. Sorry, very close to, well, philosophy and I think psychology is very much intertwined. I use that as a nice, <laughs> it sounds very similar as well. Um, and then I actually went to drama school. Yes. So how does how does that take you from that and the experience you've had to, to rise? I'm just interested in how astrology, um, I mean, for those who are quite new to it, and I guess I'd include myself in that, I guess astrology is the, the hell beliefs around the solar systems, the planets, movements of the sun and, and solar systems, and the feeling that we are connected with those. Is that, mm-hmm. is that right? Am I right in exactly. saying that? Exactly. So how did you go from philosophy, not psychology, through drama, through all the things that you've done in your life to being so interested in this? I think just like, you know, when we stumble across things in life that we really gravitate towards, it's an indication that there's something Excuse the pun, there. excuse the pun, of course. <laughs> Gravitational pull of this topic, indeed. We're going to have a few and it, of those. You know what's, what's interesting about it is, whilst I do love astrology, my, my interest in it is really, like, very centred around Saturn Return. Mm. Because why? Why is that? Why I is don't that know. I was thinking to? about it the other day. I th- you know, most astrologers that I meet or people that I interview that are in that space, when they start learning about astrology, they always say the same thing, and it's that 
it's more of a case of remembering rather than learning. So it's like they found the language that they already knew and they're just relearning it rather than it being this new thing. Whereas for me, I find it hard to grasp it because it's so vast, so <laughs> complex, yeah. And actually I use it as a lens for personal development to tell perhaps difficult stories. I like the idea that through astrology, it gives it this sense that it's unifying and also unique and personal and that we're all navigating things in this way for a greater meaning. Yeah, and I think um, whether it's religion, whether it's astrology, whatever kind of people turn towards, I guess, whether it's in hope or whether it's for, for a sense of belonging, it does feel that if, exactly. if that works for you, regardless of, like, some people are like, oh, I don't, I don't yeah. believe in astrology and whatever, but, or religion for that matter, but actually, as human beings, we, we do need that sense of belonging. And I also do think we need an ability to present, represent, or to kind of vocalise how we feel. And maybe that is, maybe that's a big reason why people might feel that pull towards. A hundred percent. And you see it having this moment at the, right now, because I feel that religion plays less of a central role in people's lives in the way that it used to. And as hu human beings, we are, you know, we need tribes, we need connection, we need that sense of belonging. And I found through the communities that astrology creates it really gives you that mm, absolutely and so if we dive into the kind of core themes of the books I mean you, you've mentioned a few times that kind of turning 30 for you was kind of that feeling of right this is this is this is who I am I find it interesting as being I'm 32 I've just turned 32 and interestingly I, I feel like I know myself pretty well but also in some ways I don't know myself that well and interestingly I guess maybe part of that is relearning now that I'm alcohol-free or whatever and maybe that is also readjusting to life after the pandemic but it's it, it is interesting that we, we constantly feel like oh eventually I'm going to feel like fully myself and I found myself and I know exactly who I am do you think we do actually get there in the end I hope so you can tell me that we that we will but do you think we do really get there or do you think it is kind of a version of yourself that kind of it's maybe more about feeling in that present moment at peace with where you are? I, I don't know, I kind of, I battle this myself a little bit, so I kind of ask that in a very open-ended way. I don't think we ever get to a point where we feel that sense of having it all figured out, but Thank I think God. that's part of the... That's a relief for me and hopefully everyone <laughs> that's else the, You know, that's part of the fun of the whole yeah. experience. I think it's just reframing yeah, your relationship to it and to yourself, that you are a constant work in progress, yeah. and that doesn't... And that, you I know, I think that, the yeah. goal often is perfection, especially, I feel especially for women, I don't know what it's like for men, but we kind of are trying to achieve this mm. idea of perfection, whether that's in our personal development or the way we look. And it's just, it's kind of a futile pursuit. So I always like to kind of remind myself that I'm always evolving, I'm always changing, and to be okay with that. As human beings, we also like this idea that we know how things are going to go. Yeah. And that if we just continue walking forward and in our loop, we'll yeah. go. <laughs> exactly. But life isn't like that. Life no. is a maze and it's going to throw you off in a completely different path in a way that you never expected mm. it. Mm. But within that, you'll find and discover something new about yourself that will mm. sort of enrich your mm. life and, and your view of the world. You talk a lot about um, the 20s and that kind of, I guess, learning phases. And I, and I kind of, ahead of this, I was thinking about my 20s and I almost... <laughs> feel that I'm a very different person. I'm not, I think, you know, the deep core values that probably were instilled by, by, in me by my friends and my family growing up are there, but you, you do really change a lot, don't you? And maybe 
maybe deep down, those again, those core values are there, but certainly in your behaviours, you're kind of doing things going, okay, that doesn't work, or that was a mistake, or mm -hmm. maybe that isn't a good way to, <laughs> to yeah. live my life. Do you think that that part is a, is that a necessity? Do you have to go through those stages? I, I just well, wonder when I look back and think there's certain things and oh, actually I probably would have done that differently. Maybe I could rewind. Of course, but we again, we like to think that if we just read the right book, we'd have made those adjustments. But the reality is we often only change when we are faced with a crisis or something's gone wrong and it's in our own sort of discomfort and our own pain that we actually begin to adjust the sales mm. so when i was and you mentioned a second ago values i think mm. that that's such a crucial thing because like you said when you were in your 20s you probably had the same values but were you living by mm. them mm. and that's the difference i True. had the same values i probably didn't have the language to kind of communicate yeah. them i didn't sit down and think these are the things that i really mm. value mm. but in my 30s i actually do yeah and i want to cultivate a life that's representative of those values whereas my 20s were really not in alignment with what i valued at all that must have been an interesting experience kind of going through i think you know for anyone going through their teens or 20s i think that time can be like real ups and downs you kind of had to live that on screen as well that must have been a challenge i mean i only had a taste of it i guess for the period of time that i was on love island but being on screen and just trying to also be authentic and also kind of make mistakes which you all make but people somehow have this kind of arena of opinion above on it. How, how has that impacted, I guess, you? And what do you learn from that moving forward? Mm -hmm. And what regards to people going, and say everyone listening to this don't go in the public eye, but we all have to kind of live, you know, under the scrutiny of other people, whether that's a small group, or whether that's national exactly. TV. So what kind of things did you learn? And yeah, what would you say to people, I guess, fa you know, dealing with growing up basically in this world? Yeah, because I, I think that Perhaps my experience was a little bit more heightened and extreme, but it was no different to anyone else navigating their early 20s. It just meant that we had this added pressure of sort of constant public opinion and then the press, which is a whole thing. But today, you know, young teenagers have this on social media. So, so you can go viral overnight. You can have that sudden waking up and being all over the internet, which yeah. gives you a huge amount of anxiety into like, how you're going to behave. Mm. And we touched on this a second ago about you know, our need to belong. Mm. Gabriel Mate always speaks about, you know, we're wired to, we're driven by our need to belong, mm. but also like our need for authenticity. Yes. And when those things are in conflict, we will sacrifice our authenticity in order to feel like we belong. And I think often our 20s represent how we do abandon aspects of ourselves to try and fit into places so that true. perhaps aren't right for us. So true. And that's no shame on like the people that we're friends with. And I don't, you know, I think Made in Chelsea doing reality TV really represented a time in my life where I thought if I did this and I came across like this and I was this kind of person that I would feel yeah. that sense of kind of belonging. belonging. Yeah. Belonging is an interesting point. I'm, I'm reading, um, attached, I think that's the right title, mm -hmm. right now, kind of the, the book around, um, you know, how, how we decide maybe who is good for us in terms of matches of, of partners, and the idea around, um, you know, attachment styles, isn't it? So yeah. anxious, uh, avoidance or secure, or yeah. the fourth one being 
anxious avoidant, right? <laughs> well, I um, feel like I'm I feel like I'm probably all, all of them at certain times, which is really... Which well, that's my only really critique com- of that book, because I find it quite binary, do you yes. know what I mean? Because I definitely ha- possess, yes. like, elements of all of, of all of those at various But I think one points. of the things that really does... And I always, whenever I read stuff, I think it comes from, like, when you go to med school and just... I think any kind of scientific analysis, you kind of... You, you should be critical of what you read and what, you, what you're looking at. You shouldn't always take things yeah. as... Uh, as as red and I but one of the things I really do take out of that is people need to belong and people need to have their group and their family and the feeling of companionship and and one of the things that I feel that was drummed in you know we're a very similar age for my 20s and I think a lot of 20s is that era of like be independent be strong do everything in silo you shouldn't need anyone else I mean I, I remember kind of in my early 20s moving to London you know 23 year old starting to be a doctor and just being like right you know I've, you know, I've made it, I'm my own man, I don't need anyone else, you know, I'm a solo person in London, let's do this. And there was almost this kind of badge of honour of just not needing someone else. And I think actually that's really quite sad and I look back now and I certainly look at the situation in my life, I think actually it is nice to have someone. It may well be imperfect, maybe their attachment style is, is a perfect match, but it's good to have someone that you feel, you know, connected to and belong to really. And what are, um, but, you know, what are the consequences of that sort of very independent don't need anyone we i think the mental health struggles that a lot of us have is because we are fed that idea that you know don't seek external validation do everything for yourself you know love yourself first before you can love yeah, anyone yeah. and all that stuff and it it's a pretty tall order and it's not realistic because we are wired for connection we need tribes like that's how we've survived and I find it strange how, you know, especially in a city like London, where you're surrounded by people all the time, yeah. there's really not a huge sense of community or, especially, connection, yeah. or connection because everyone is just on that so, mission. Do you think it's a mistake that we're making at the moment? I feel like the rhetoric that we told young men throughout the kind of 2000s, maybe 2010s of, you know, be independent, be a strong man lean on yourself I feel like we're repeating that to a lot of women and young girls yes. now of like you know yes. be you don't need men you don't need anyone to be a badass woman on your own and like you know I, I I just wonder that whether a I think that's a mistake to tell young men that I absolutely think that's a mistake and I think masculinity can actually mean um, feeling that sense of belonging leaning on other people leaning on women you know having people who are leaders you know being led as well as leading and I just wonder whether we're making a mistake repeating that rhetoric mm-hmm. to women now. You know what I think this is such an interesting topic and and I've thought about it a lot and I think that it's it's because collectively I don't feel we appreciate the feminine and when I say the feminine I don't mean women I yeah. mean the sort of feminine qualities that we sure. all embody and you you know the language now the, the encouragement for women to occupy the sort of male dominated space and be very in their masculine seems to be kind of I don't know it's leaning more in that way and I think that's because as a society we don't value the feminine traits it's actually quite an interesting perspective we're almost saying no women should be masculine as if that's a higher value whereas yeah. actually and I find it really interesting when we people so of talk course about, they're going to try and compete yeah, in and that. then think that masculinity like yeah, I mean I, I think I've said it before, I really think we should be very careful not to completely destroy masculinity and we should certainly not do the same either to uh, feminine traits and so on because actually both, it's like a bit of yin yin yang, it's like both are needed, I mean regardless of what your, your gender is, you need to have 
masculine figures and feminine figures, those might be in the same person, might be in different mm -hmm. people, might be in multiple people. You need a balance of all of that in yeah. your life. You know, and that's, it's not about anything being wrong with either thing. It's that we're yeah. out of balance with both of them, mm. I think. Yeah, and I wonder if we're just, I just, I just worry that in the same ways we've kind of created some, created toxic masculinity, that we, we may well make a similar potential mistake if we're not careful, um, saying to women actually, kind of like, scrap anything that looks feminine, take on masculine yeah, and you characteristics know all the time and actually not everyone wants to do that and I'm prob I probably no, need to be a lot more fe quite... I'm probably quite feminine in terms of my sensitivities and so on and I'm quite proud of that I like yeah, how I am so and I actually feel be. that being sensitive can be really masculine as, as well but anyway but do you feel like yeah. society celebrates those aspects probably not I, I, I don't know I, I, I'm quite I feel that I often go against maybe what society expects um, and I try I try my best just to be as kind of me as I can and I just own it um, but yeah you're right maybe it isn't sexy or as attractive to be sensitive as a man and, and but I think and, it is and, and yeah. it should and it should be and I think you've got you know you've got the platform that you have and there's a responsibility in mm. that because a lot of people will be watching you a lot of men will be watching you and look up to you so it's important to kind of communicate and you know, bring out those aspects. Uh, not to go into it too much, but I watched the Andrew Tate documentary mm. and it was just, it was very alarming that he's created yeah. this humongous following of people and it's just... Well, I think the lesson, I personally think the lesson in that is exactly that we need good masculine roles. Exactly. Because these young boys are looking up four for, role models yeah, and if you don't fill that with of, good yeah. fathers or good masculine models, not I'm not for a second saying that is me, but you know, if you don't fill that role with good masculine figures and unfortunately your prime time toxic yeah. kind of the embodiment of toxic masculinity steps totally. in and all those people that are looking for someone to follow who are potentially actually quite vulnerable. So a lot of these young very men vulnerable. and boys are very vulnerable. And, and angry. And they are confused yeah. and they don't know where to channel that energy. And then they've got someone like that come along. I guess on that note, it's kind of why it's amazing that you're doing what you're doing now and kind of using your experiences and also, I guess, your passions to have this community on, on the podcast and your socials, and obviously the book as well. I wonder, you know, what, what are the main kind of takeaways what is it you're hoping that people will take away from reading your book what is it that the, the key messages I guess that's a great question well I guess for me during that time I felt very lonely and isolated and at the end of every podcast we say you're not alone and that's really what I'm trying to create the sense of whatever anyone's navigating someone else has been through it yeah. and I think even just by sharing your experience of something alleviate so much discomfort for the person that's going through it for the first time and also giving them a language to kind of understand their feelings a little bit more and to encourage people to live authentically to be vulnerable I believe we all have our own unique gifts and I think that often we shy away from putting them out into mm. the world mm. it's you know paradoxically whenever I've interviewed anyone it's always the thing that they want to do most that they're not doing. Yeah, so true. You know, and I've met, and that's having people on that are super successful yeah. in one field. Yeah. And then they'll say, oh, but I always wanted to do this, but I wouldn't let myself. Yeah. And I think when you allow yourself to be seen in the places you keep hidden, you're, you can be an invitation for other people to do the same, but that's kind of the hard 
work. Yeah. You know? It kind of makes, as you say that, it's interesting because I was just thinking back to when I was younger, the two things I hated about myself probably the most was one, my sensitivity the phys uh, mentally and physically my height. And the two probably the things that my greatest assets, I'm not saying, oh wow, wonderful, I'm so tall, but I'm now proud and comfortable being tall and I'm proud and comfortable f you know, being sensitive. Yeah. It probably wouldn't be well, doing the job exactly. I do if I, I wasn't like that. And I, I wonder actually... It becomes your superpower. Exactly. And I, and I think um, almost what you're you kind of allude to there is that element of perspective when you realize you're not the first person and that doesn't diminish your struggles or feeling of struggle but the fact that you're not the first person to trod a certain path is actually a really kind of anxiety relieving thing yeah. because one of the things that I think young people unfortunately experience a lot now is that they don't they don't maybe have that perspective or well, actually every young person is going through that time you don't have perspective like for example the first time you're facing GCSEs or exams the first essay you hand in or you know oh, the first yeah. time you get dumped by your girlfriend yeah. it's like oh, yeah, oh my god the, the world year. has ended <laughs> yeah. and, and you might well feel like it has <laughs> I remember like my first heartbreak and I think my mum saying you know you'll be fine I was like no I won't no I really have I broken won't. I will not survive this and that's the thing I was listening to Oprah Winfrey the other day and she she said and it's so true she said all pain from her experience doing so many interviews she's like I recognize that all pain is the same yeah someone's loss in one part of the world and another is this like the yeah. same and yeah. whatever you you're whatever you're going through whatever you're struggling with yeah. I think just simply knowing that yeah. someone has been through that and, and someone is going through it right now yeah, exactly. right now if you're going through heartbreak know that other people have been through I've definitely been through my fair share of heartbreak other people are going through it and you will you know you will survive it so at the same the right time I, I understand the first you know, the first cut is the deepest. When you first go through that stuff, sure, you sure, genuinely sure. believe yeah. that you'll never this be okay. It. This is and it. And it's only through age and perspective that you can actually realise that, you know, you actually will get stronger from all these experiences. Wow. And that's something that just comes with time. I think that's very wise advice. So I'm, I'm certain that people will have already uh, got the book. And if you haven't, head online, get the book for any good bookshop. Um, I don't know, everyone always says that, they get your book from any good bookstore. <laughs> and I always feel very great shop? saying it. What is the bad bookshops out there? So, uh, do you know, if you want to do things differently, guys, on a stump cast, go to a bad bookshop and get it and see how it goes. Maybe the, maybe the, maybe the writing's upside down in those bookshops, I don't know. Anyway, guys, I hope you've enjoyed part two of the stump cast. We'll see you very shortly for part three. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.